0: this week on Being Human, I interview Shashin Shah. I've known Shashin for a number of years. I've always respected him as, a, as an individual and as a business leader. He takes the fusion of doing good in the world with doing business to uh, a new level with his company, One Point. One Point. themselves have implemented a very interesting practice whereby the employees are encouraged to re- meditate throughout the day and at the start of this interview in his offices uh, it coincides with one of these meditation sessions so what you're going to hear is the interview start and then almost immediately we're into meditation so I'm going to invite you during the course of the podcast and this happens twice overall during the podcast is to take a few minutes to meditate with us uh, during, during the interview. Uh, yes, I uh, hope you take me up on that, on that challenge to yeah, get a bit of uh, still time in your day. Uh, and enjoy the show. start to the podcast. Very timely. (laughs) So for those listening, um, that was the end of a meditation that happens regularly.
1: Every hour on the hour for a couple of minutes. We call it traffic control for the mind.
0: Yeah. God, I've never started an interview like that. It's very powerful. (laughs) So welcome, Shashi. How are you?
1: I'm very good, Richard. Good to see you again.
0: Good to see you. So Shashi and I have known each other for a a number of years and I'm here at your offices so at yeah. One Point Consulting. And
1: Very pleased to have you here.
0: Yeah, um, and certainly one of the major reasons for me to want to come and speak to you was to talk mm-hmm. more about this extraordinary practice you have here I, I, in the offices. Um, so so let, maybe let's, let's, let's start there. So okay. tell us a bit more about the traffic control process and how it came about.
1: So, so basically I started meditating, gosh, way back in 1981 and uh, learned some techniques and, and this particular technique, it's called traffic control for the mind. Essentially uh, the music comes on every hour, on the hour for a couple of minutes and what we say to people is just detach from your work for those two minutes. You can pray, you can meditate, you can take your mind wherever you want to but ideally you need to connect with yourself and just have a sense of your feelings and emotions And uh, if they're sort of going slightly um, on the negative side, make them positive. If they're getting a little bit tense, then relax. And literally, it's called traffic control for the mind, because when you approach traffic light, if it's red, what happens? You stop. So this is like saying to people, stop, reduce your thoughts, slow them down, make them peaceful, um, and just get a sense of reorientation, and reconnect with your inner self, so that for the next 59 minutes of the hour, you hopefully will be in a better framework of mind and more conducive to better productivity. And so that's what it is, as simple as that.
0: I mean, it's just, I mean, I, I felt so calm already, right? And, and uh, Do you know of any other companies doing this or are you as far as you're aware you're, you're the only one?
1: I'm not aware of any companies, but I think a lot of people obviously in the last few years have taken on the concept, concept of mindfulness which is where, you know, people are giving lots of different apps, which essentially do provide some of this, in a sense, the music comes on. But I'm not aware of offices which have something like this, because we've got it cabled up in our office. It just comes on. So if, you've, if you're busy and you forget, it reminds you. And so there's no excuses for people who want to do it and take some time out for themselves. Right. It's very powerful, frankly. I think it just helps to reorient yourself and get yourself in a better framework of mind, and clients love it when they come here frankly, you know, we explain to clients and they actually sit and, and actually do that, uh, you know, meditate in, in whichever way they want to, which is fantastic, uh, but it generates a sense of calmness and silence, um, and the music is purely instrumental, so you know, it sort of doesn't have any bias towards anything.
0: Right, and, and did you institute this from as soon as you started the company, or did it
1: no, later? I think we, uh, well we have somebody in our team who's pretty good with audio, um, Simon Downstairs, and uh, so you know, we got him to put it in. Uh, so we've had it in our offices actually, uh, since we started. Um,
0: and that was, so you started meditating in 81? 81, yes. And when you, and you started the business in? 2005. Okay. Yeah, so you were yeah. a pretty seasoned meditator by the time you yeah to start yeah, this. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I love it. I can't manage without it. It's like everybody has to have meals three times a day. I need to meditate every day, otherwise I don't feel complete. Something's missing.
0: Right. And 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 what's the reaction of of employees or new starters coming to this? I mean,
1: I think it's optional. I mean, we have a culture where we're transparent the way we work, um, and it's optional. It's not mandated. If somebody asks what this is, we explain, um, and then if they want to take it on, they can take it on. If they want to continue working, if you happen to be on a client call, you you can't just disrupt it sometimes. So it's purely optional. But I think the people who do it uh, generate a certain type of vibration in the office. Uh, A lot of clients, when they come, they do comment on how quiet our offices are compared with other offices, and I think that's got something to do with it. But it's a positive quietness. It's not a negative quietness.
0: Right, and 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 you don't. So so yeah. That situation, I'm just thinking practically. Where you do have a client on the phone, it's okay. Yeah yeah yeah,
1: you continue. Yeah yeah
0: yeah. yeah. And and the people meditating, just deal with it.
1: They can continue. Yeah, because to be honest with you, the type of meditation uh, I personally believe in is that you're trying to reconnect with yourself, and it shouldn't take more than a couple of moments. You know. reconnect with yourself because what are you doing when you reconnecting you're just getting a sense of where your feelings are your emotions are how do you feel you know that's what what I mean by reconnecting and you can put it right quite quickly if you know something isn't quite right if you don't know what's right then you can't put it right Hmm. so literally once you get used to it it is very quite easy to switch on and switch off
0: Yeah. And it's called Raja, yeah, am I correct? So that? Well, so pa-
1: the, pa- the meditation that I do is, is called Raja Yoga Meditation. Uh, it's purely a mental form of meditation. It's not Hatha Yoga, which is what people traditionally teach you, which is your physical yoga. That also has its place. Uh, but I wanted to actually learn how to concentrate and control the mind, which frankly is probably one of the biggest challenges still left to be explored, how best to do it. And so I wanted to take on that challenge.
0: And so the, the traffic control is based on that? Correct. Yeah. So you don't have to shut your eyes, you don't have to do anything no. special with your body? No,
1: it's a t- form of meditation which encourages, encourages you to leave your eyes open because it says basically meditation needs to be integrated into your day-to-day life because we don't go walking around with our eyes closed, right? Our eyes are open most of the time, except <laughs> so when we go to bed. So you're trying to make it natural. It's, the whole experience should be quite natural. Uh, yeah. But it's good to take a few moments out, literally, like that every hour on the hour. It just focuses you. Mm.
0: And I, I, just as I think about this and people t- observing the culture, ma- maybe they think, okay, well, it's great; they're all you know blissed out, and it, it all yeah, seems yeah. very chill. <laughs> but do they lose some, I don't know, animal aggression in this, which which may which may hinder them as a company?
1: I don't know. I think. Uh, i think determination is 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 good to have in life it doesn't have to be aggressive um, so i think you know what we say to people is be determined be clear what you want to achieve go after your objectives but i think it's a, it, it's it's a it's a determined way of approaching it it's like confident way of approaching it you don't have to get uh, uh, egoistic you don't have to get uh, forceful in that sense because i think part of the challenges we have in the work environment is you want to try and allow everybody to rise in terms of who they are and bring out the best in each person because every every person is different Mm. and so trying to create a culture where we try and hopefully encourage that Um, so I don't think you need to be aggressive to be successful in
0: life (laughs) No, no, okay And do you ever have somebody who's like, oh, this isn't for me. I can't be dealing with it. Everyone's just too Nobody said anything to me so
1: far. (laughs) So when you go around talking to somebody, maybe you'll find out. Uh, It's literally just a minute, one or two minutes every hour. Uh, And I guess it's just like background noise. People get used to it. Either you participate, uh, or you can't at that point in time, or you just say, fine, it's just part of the setup here that we have.
0: And what percentage of people do you think Take this on uh, of your employees?
1: In terms of people who do it, uh, because you're talking about doing it every hour on the hour, so to do it accurately, you need to do it since you start the working day until you finish. Um, I would hazard maybe around 50 60%. It's quite, but it's not, you know, ideally I'd like to see it much higher than that. Uh, But you know, people do it in different ways. Like I said, you know, it, it doesn't take much to reconnect with yourself. You could still be working. You could just pause, literally, for a few seconds. It reminds you, see so you how you're feeling internally, change your feelings and emotions, and off you go. It's just a checkpoint, basically, and yeah. you can stay as long as you can in there, like one or two minutes, or you can just go in at a very short time period, and that's it. Right.
0: And and but, but and for you, this is this for is me, just part of your meditation, right? As I, you, you both before and after the working day.
1: Yeah, yeah. I personally yeah. like to meditate early in the morning. Um, I think it allows you to... That, that environment for meditation is the purest in the morning, early morning, I mean, like you know, around 3, 4, 4 a.m. So that's the time when actually everything is really quiet. You've just had a good night's sleep. Your intellect is sort of rested and you can really create uh, really good feelings on meditation and just stay in that state for as long as you want to. So for me, it's like setting the day in the right way. Uh, Then this traffic control, as I call it, every hour on the hour, is to really go back to that state uh, because it's very concentrated in the morning. Throughout the day, obviously, you're busy doing lots of things. And at night, then, it's a question of just five, ten minutes, literally visiting through the whole day. Look at the screen of your mind, see what happened, see what you have to learn, see what you have to merge, uh, see who you have to forgive. Forgive yourself if something didn't quite work out. Give yourself a chance for the next day and literally merge everything, learn from it, so that the idea is that you don't carry negativity from one day to the next. Because unfortunately sometimes if you don't clear stuff, we carry it forward and that means the next day it gets impacted. See, the body is fantastic. It's got its own way of clearing waste. But did anybody ever teach us how to clear waste from the mind which accumulates throughout the whole day? So I find this really, really helpful. Because at least I give myself a better chance for the next day if something didn't quite work out okay learn from it and then start the next day fresh so right. it's a cycle
0: no i can i can see that because because i i meditated this morning right i thought okay. about you <laughs> i was medit. in fact i was very good i was up meditating in my garden at 4 30 this morning which is amazing yeah. so i just yeah. did some physical yoga first and yeah, then yeah, yeah, a yeah. little bit of meditation yeah, yeah, yeah. but something resonated there is that quite often i our res- meditate. may meditate early in the morning and yeah. then maybe have it an hour or a couple of hours, where I'm feeling very balanced and so on, right, and then, right. then you know, quite quickly the day becomes stressful, yeah. and I kind of yeah. lose connection. Some connection. Right. So I can see things. how having uh, some level of push in terms of right, the whole day helps. you know prompt, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Because IT is a very fast-paced industry, as you know. You know, its concentration is very intense. So much happens, and so if this is an opportunity for you to take some time out, um, I think it's much much valued, really. I don't think we do enough of it. We're all busy getting to know each other, getting to know clients, getting to know technologies, but how much time do we spend with ourselves? Quality time, just to get to know ourselves. And frankly, after all these years of meditating, I'm still learning about myself. There's all sorts of things hidden internally, some of which are very good, some which are not so good. Mm. So the things that are not so good are the ones you want to focus on and change. Because the whole aim of meditation is ultimately to become a better person be more effective, how you use your mind, how you use your concentration power, how you deal with people, how you deal with situations. Because the world out there now is very complex, I think, than it used to be. You know, you could almost have things coming from any angle now. Politics, call it religion, call it sports, uh, the weather, the climate change. There's so much out there now, which is changing all the time. And I think uh, being able to reconnect with yourself and see where you are at any point in time, I think it's very helpful for me allows me to maintain my sanity frankly <laughs>
0: yeah and you say it but I, yeah, almost all industries is happening too right it's right, virtually actually. all the, yeah, uh, the major right, industries it's right, becoming more complex and we, we're dealing with much more uh, variety in the day and the uncertainty and, I mean, and the uncertainty now. is increasing the Correct. volatility is increasing yeah yeah uh, and, and and at the same time we've got all of these addictive technologies around us, Correct. keeping us a long way from ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I can see how this. Yeah, yeah. See how people have such challenges needed. now.
1: Just switching off for a few minutes. You know, we put your mobile phone there the whole time.
0: Yeah, I can, I can see it. Um, so I'm interested a little bit more then to get to go right, way back to 80, 81. Then, so what, yeah, what yeah. first <laughs> prompted that desire to get into meditation?
1: I think, uh, so basically I, uh, between 1971 and 1981, um, I actually was doing the martial arts um, and uh, the trigger for the martial arts basically was being bullied at school in a very bad way a couple of times and I sort of went home one day thinking, gosh, this needs to stop. Um, So I got into martial arts and, you know, managed to do quite well in it. I also used to teach. uh,
0: Um, And you were at school where? I was, I was in in, in
1: England, yeah. yeah. In England, okay, that's right. But your family
0: came over? Yeah, so in 1971,
1: we actually came from Uganda, so part of the Ugandan Asians, who actually came over to the UK. They were
0: expelled? Yeah, yeah. six
1: months after we came. So my father came to the UK to have an operation done, so he basically wanted to put us through the education system. And so we came in December 71, and then I think in June 72, all the Asians were expelled uh, by Idi Amin. And so, you know, from having everything, to having nothing except a little house, we managed to buy. was quite an experience, you know. It teaches about life and the meaning of life, and what's important, what isn't important, you know, what stays with you, what is very temporary. Um, so for me, at an early age, it was a fantastic lesson. Frankly, uh, I mean, um, it's a strange thing to say. I'm glad it happened because it taught me so much.
0: And um, do you mind asking me how old you were then? Yeah,
1: you? yeah. No, I was 11.
0: So you were 11. And, and and just talk me through that sequence then. So what, do you get a bang on the door saying you've got to be out by this day? Or yeah, pretty much. Well,
1: we were actually in the UK at that time because my okay. father had already brought us. Uh, but then my father had gone back. And then within six months, I think, literally, yeah, people were just told to leave. You couldn't even take money out of the country. You couldn't take your possessions. Literally, your life is all you had to take with you.
0: Right. And... Uh, and, and what was the sanction if you didn't leave i mean what was the threat no i think
1: you just had to go i mean you know you used to you get the people the armed, armed forces used to come around and sort of you know just make sure you are leaving <laughs> you can't argue with somebody with a gun in front of of your head right you just say fine i'm going to move now and that's right. what happened
0: right and and how so you're 11 years old you've so you've, you've already come over, so you've not been yeah. exposed to that, no, but you no. now know there's no going back. You're in England now. And correct. Yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah, correct. Yeah.
1: My father did go back uh, after a while, because then they actually wanted the people to come back. Some people went, a lot of people didn't go back, and then he went back, he did some work there for some time period with my uncle, and then eventually settled back here in the UK.
0: Right. So you're living in a small house, small your own family. Small house.
1: At that time, you know, we managed to buy a, a terraced house, three-bedroom house, but you know, you know how Lots of people had problems in those days, Um, so we were were lucky we had a house. So, you know, there were about 20 odd people staying in the house, because apart from us, (laughs) we gave accommodation to anybody who needed accommodation, just to help them, because that was the nature of how you do stuff, right? In those situations, you just lend a helping hand
0: to people. And what was that like as an 11-year-old boy then with 20 people in the house? Uh,
1: Let's say very busy and noisy and uh, not much privacy, Uh, but, you know, you, you learn from the situations. Um, I think it's good to go through challenges like that. It teaches you a lot about life and yourself, to be honest with you, and the people around you. Um, So I think every experience you go through in life, even if it may seem painful at that point in time, teaches you something. I think it can make you a better person if you use it in the right way.
0: So you're in, in school and how's your English? I mean, were we you yeah. speaking English yeah, back we were sort, were sort of learning,
1: Yeah, we were learning English there, so it was okay. Um, so, you know, I managed to understand stuff. Uh, but I guess it's the bullying which was obviously completely unknown at that point in time. It's not just the, the white guys who used to bully you, it's also the black guys. Right. And the white guys used to get together because now here is somebody who's sort of a little bit different in colour, so let's get get at him. Uh, so that was interesting. <clears throat> but, you know, uh, then I learned the martial arts, I could look after myself. But it's at the martial arts that I really got my first exposure to meditation. It and what was, did
0: you? What did? You, I'm just fast I'm just wanna I'm just. I yeah, want yeah, to hear yeah. the kick-ass story. <laughs> so, was there oh, a gosh. moment when you first beat one of the white guys up and it turned? I it, so
1: basically. So here is the here is the score. So I, I managed to get as far as a brown belt. I was supposed to go for a black belt. In which in, in it was a mi- mixture of shorter can and take one door. Okay. So a lot of focus on kicks. Um, and you know, in those days, I used to wear contact lenses. I didn't have glasses, right? So then you used to go into tournaments and, you know, literally also conduct classes. So it was it was it was great. But I, I really like the meditation before and the end of the session, that is before the session, you try and leave everything that's happened outside before the class starts. So your mind of state of mind is in the right way. Mm. And then obviously you build up a lot of aggression and you do lots of stuff and then you sort of sit down, meditate, clear all of that so that when you leave you living in a positive state of mind. Mm. So that was my first exposure to meditation. Um, but the martial arts was great, frankly. It taught me a lot of discipline, taught me confidence. Um, but here is the story, right? The first time when somebody really attacked me on the street, um, even though I had the ability to hit him, I couldn't. I just couldn't. And uh, this is probably around year uh, 8 or 9, I have, so probably when I was about 18, 19, actually. And that made me think, you know, um, that really I took on the martial arts uh, as, as a form of defense. It wasn't really in my nature to be violent and hit people. It's because I got tired of being picked on. And when the opportunity came to hit somebody, when I could, I just couldn't. You know, I just stopped. And that made me think, so who am I really? You know, what is my personality like? You know, why did I select the martial arts? So it was great, from a learning point of view, But then I started to go deeper into who am I because that's Mm. the question I think that perplexes all of us, doesn't Mm, it? Who am I? What am I doing here? (laughs) So that's when it really kicked in for me. Uh, And then I slowly, slowly, I just happened to find meditation, um, a form of meditation that suited uh, the way I felt about the world and what Mm. I needed to do.
0: And that was your routine? Yeah,
1: that was my routine in
0: 1981, yeah. Um, but did just the attitude of the martial arts keep the bully? I mean, because often it people really, will say just great. the confidence I got No, I think s- the confidence the
1: was great. I think just the interaction, I think learning how to go and spar in competitions. Um, and, you know, there were times when, you know, you used to have sort of people who are sort of six, six and a half feet tall. And, you know, you can't even get near them because their hand is just reaches out to you. And <laughs> you try to sort of get to them, you can't even touch them. But that was great, you know. I still managed to sort of come out of that alive. So I, yeah. I was, it was okay. I wasn't too bad.
0: Yeah. Oh, I suppose I'm probing a little bit. I was bullied at school, and my strategy was yeah. being the joker. That was how I got it. It, yeah. just, it just turned everything into a joke. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, there's a part yeah. of me that sort of perhaps wishes I'd taken that yeah, martial art path to be a uh, guys. Yeah, but up. at least
1: then you could walk the street confidently. You know, you, mm. you, I wasn't worried about somebody then coming and hitting me. Yeah. Uh, even though the... I didn't have the nature to hit them back. Uh, you know, you, you tastes, lost that fear. Yeah. I just sort of was fine with it. You know, okay. Um, So yeah, but again, good experience,
0: (laughs) right? And and that got you into the meditation. Uh, Then,
1: then, well, I I think I was one of those people who was just very um, intrigued about the way the world was, and uh, you know, I was looking at it from different angles. Obviously, I came from an Indian background, um, then born in Africa, and then now living in the UK, Um, and, and I just didn't quite make sense of the world as it was. In a sense, lots of things didn't make sense to me. I didn't understand it. And that got me thinking and reading about stuff, you know, to actually answer the question, why is the world in the state it is? How would I feel about it? And so that's what really got me going um, to explore meditation, to then look at Eastern philosophies, look at Western philosophies, because I have graduated in 1981 in those days, one didn't have money to go on holidays, right? Um, so I had a good three or four month period before I started my first job with a company called Logica um, to really just read and explore about myself and what I wanted to do with life. And frankly, it's actually in those three or four months, uh, which was crucial, because I'm still implementing stuff that I thought about at that point in time. Um, so for me, at that age of 21, which is when I graduated, I guess I said the course of direction of my life, and what I wanted to achieve from it.
0: Right. And, and so how did you marry that to this? You've got this deep interest in understanding why the world the way it is, yeah. but you're pursuing an IT career. I mean,
1: Yeah. how, how, do, you, how do you reconcile y- that? Yeah. I <laughs> <Yes. mean. laughs> so luckily for me, my professional life and my sort of exploration of meditation, I don't know, call it spirituality, call it some way of trying to get answers, was happening at the same time. And I guess, fortunately, uh, I came across some people who'd been practicing meditation. Uh, I met some really uh, experienced meditators who really seemed to have got a handle on life and what they wanted to achieve out of it. And some of these people I met through an organization called the Brahma Kumaris. Um, and frankly, that really set the course of my life and uh, um, you know, taught me basically many things since that, that, that point in time. Um, So for me to actually blend both of those things was quite interesting because as part of my exploration, what I really realized is that there are some things I needed to do. So here I was in a family that had lost everything. So I had to try and restore um, the status within the family to make sure people were looked after. So my first goal was to make sure I looked after myself mentally, physically, financially, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually. You know, literally, if I can't look after myself, I'm not going to be useful to anyone else. So that's where a lot of time went on myself but then the second objective was to make sure the extended family gets looked after because I knew that um, having seen them go through that turmoil and having had everything and then here we had to open a shop used to see my mum and aunt going in a factory in a bus there they were driving cars so it's like such a big change and so I wanted to restore that at least give them a better quality of life and so for me it was important to get through the education system and make sure I come out with a good degree and you know get a good job.
0: So in so back in Uganda they'd they'd had a very everything different
1: yeah. very, very good high quality life really. I that must mean, have, that must
0: have been difficult for oh yeah, for them and for you to see. Correct.
1: It. Everything. You know, imagine there were people there to look after everything. And here now you had to do everything yourself. It's a big change. Um, and how did they age.
0: How did they? No, they adjusted
1: really well. Frankly, adjusted really well. They w- were helping running a shop, and they started to learn English because they had to. And you know, they had to go to the factory to work for some time before we got the shop in place. So a lot of learning, uh, and I think everybody came out fine from that point view. But for me, I had to make sure that I could carry the rest of the family. So that was the second objective. But for me, there was a third objective which is, OK, what more beyond that? I mean, how will I come back in 60, 70 years' time and say my life has been successful? How do I measure success? Because the conventional way of measuring success didn't quite gel with me. Get a nice big house, get educated, get married, have a few kids, you know, go on lots of holidays. OK, fantastic, you know, I think that works for a lot of people. But for me, I think it had to be another meaning for existing. And that's where my charity work really started to come in, because my Third objective was to make sure I do something of value, which hopefully benefits a lot more people than just myself. Um, and, and really, that's the journey that started way back in 81, 83, 4, 5, when i really started to do a lot of charity work. And for me, both of the professional side and the charity side were very important components of what I actually wanted to do. Um, and so then the journey continued, having worked for people like Logica, Deloitte and Anderson. Um, but then in 2005, I started to create a company called One Point. Because I really wanted to bring all of these things and create a different type of culture.
0: Yeah, and those the companies you mentioned, for people who aren't familiar with them, they're big corporates. Big it? corporates,
1: yeah, fantastic experience. I learned a huge amount from them. Um, but I think I was trying to do something different with my life, you know, and, you know, trying to just progress up the career ladder was fantastic, you know, in terms of the opportunities they offer. But I wanted to actually make sure as I live my life, I was able to contribute in giving and sharing with other people. I didn't really want to wait till I retire or till I make a lot of money. I was more happy to earn un- un- enough money, frankly, and then devote whatever extra I could at that point in time to charity work. Um, a lot of people used to ask me because I never took a pension, to be honest with you. You know, even the companies I used to work for, they used to give you you know, final salary pensions, which is really good. But for me, at that point in time, I felt it's better I divert my money to a place where it's giving value now. You know, I'm sure the universe will take care of me um, if I'm supporting the universe in doing something good. And so I always try to live a life where I'm using things in a worthwhile way, there and then, and not trying to think too much for the future, for my security. Uh, think enough, <laughs> so you don't want to be a burden to anybody. But you know, beyond that, I think. I think caring and sharing is what I learned in life. You know, just care for others and share what you have so it brings value to people.
0: And share it now. And that reminds Correct. me of a story actually between yeah, the yeah. two of us because you invited me on, on a meditation retreat a while back and you were sharing about how yeah, you'd yeah. reached out to certain people in your network to come and join you, us on this retreat. Yeah, and some of yeah. them were saying, yeah, maybe when I'm retired. Correct. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, that's right. So I think and some
1: th- people feel uh, some of this stuff is when you retire, you know, when you, when you don't have anything better to do. Uh, which is fine, you know, I think each person has its uh, their, has their own way of living, and I think we have to respect that. But for me, it was like, it's important, you know, I'm doing things useful now, not trying to wait 50, 60 years, because who knows what happens with all the pension scandals. I'm glad I never managed to take pensions, frankly. See what happened? A lot of people's portfolios just went down completely. Whereas for me, I was happy I had used the money in a worthwhile manner.
0: And I think that's part of a trend, isn't it? With the, So, a lot of the, the tech tycoons in the States now are pledging yeah. to spend their money right. philanthropically now, in their, in, their, in their lifetimes. Yeah,
1: which is great, actually. And obviously, Bill Gates uh, is, is a wonderful example of how he's used his wealth to benefit so many people. Mm. And, and I think that's where you get additional good feelings internally, you know, because your time and money is being used in a worthwhile way. Rather than just accumulating for yourself, because you know we all need to cover our basics, I think, but beyond that, honestly it's just it's, it's, it's extravagant you know you can't take anything with you into your next life, so why not use it properly here mm. to benefit other people?
0: and I think the other point you're making is not just material resource but time resource no, correct. You know, you invest, you, and I'm sort of with you on that in yeah, terms of, yeah I invest in myself as much as I can now and do the self yeah, work now correct, rather correct. than <laughs> wait wait until I'm retired to become a better person. Yeah.
1: In that case, it's just a little bit too late, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I agree. I think investment in the self is the most important thing. I don't think we do enough of that.
0: Mm. And I think it's, it, it can sound a bit self-righteous, even as I say it, but yeah, the, the, yeah. there's something that resonates in what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, no, I
1: think you're just looking after yourself. To me, it's important to look after myself so that I'm not a burden to anyone, because then only can I make a positive contribution to, to the world out there. You see, if I'm content internally, then I can make a real positive contribution. If I want things from people, uh, then frankly I am not doing it for the right reasons.
0: Mm. So you build up the well inside. Exactly. Then...
1: Yeah. Because if you are full internally, in terms of being happy content with what you have, then you have something extra to give to people. But if every interaction is based on you wanting something from somebody, then you know, I don't think it brings the same level of happiness and contentment.
0: Right. Yeah. And for people listening to this who are like intrigued and they're like, oh, yeah, but how the hell I, you know, how do, how do I go about starting an hourly sort of meditation practice in my office? Do you have a, do, you, do people ask you, you know, how do I get started in meditation, either personally or in terms of an office?
1: Yeah, I think, I think there's just, I think you need to find the right type of meditation because there's quite a lot out there in terms of variety, you know, and I think you've got to see what is it that you feel comfortable with. Um, and then you know spend some time looking at the options Um, obviously what I do is what I find works for me uh, but it may not work for everybody else so you really got to spend some time and see what do you want to get out of it you know why do you want to meditate what's what's the underlying reason see for some people they just want to relax a little bit Um, you know they just want to take their mind away from something whereas other people want to make it part of the daily life so that it transforms you internally because meditation is on many different levels frankly You know, there's a level basically where you can just help you manage stress but there's a level I think which allows you to really change yourself internally uh, in a very deep manner. Um, And obviously that requires much more uh, higher level of investment than just the first part. So it's almost like you've got to ask yourself what is it that you want? I think it goes back to the fundamental question. You know, to me the question has always been who am I really and what am I doing here? And I think if you can answer those two questions, I think a lot of things in life fall in place.
0: Mm. You know,
1: who am I really? Uh, What am I doing here? What do I want to achieve in life? Then I think things become easier. See, otherwise you can just try all sorts of stuff and you don't really know what you need internally. See, it's almost like reconnecting with yourself and asking yourself in a very deep manner, So what is the meaning of all of this for me? What is the purpose of doing this? Why am I running a business? Why do I want to run a business? I never had the thought of running a business, but what motivated me to run the business, frankly, was my love for doing charity work and doing things on a different level. And yet I love doing um, complex IT projects. I really sort of enjoy them even now. Mind you, my team is more technically strong than I am now. But, you know, I, I enjoy the work I do. But to me, it, it has to fit within the bigger purpose of meaning of life. You know, Ultimately, it's there, hopefully to better myself, to better things for clients, and hopefully to better society. It's within that context I decided to start my own business, so that I have the flexibility, the freedom, what we do, the type of people we work with, the type of people we employ, the type of culture we create. You can't do that if you're working for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So that was the motivation, but it stems from something deeper. Rather than just saying, I want to run a business because in the next three years, you know I want to make sure I create a hundred million dollar business uh, with X hundred number of employees. And some people have that objective, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But be clear what you want to achieve in life. Then go for it. Don't get sidetracked by looking at what other people are doing. Because that's not you. That's somebody else. And if you try and be somebody else, you'll never be happy in life.
0: Mm. Yeah, I was watching a documentary with Jimmy Iovine, who was one of the guys who who's out beats with Dr. Dre in the right, states, right, own, right, a right. famous record producer, and he uh, he taught, he used the metaphor of a racehorse. Right, right, right. The reason they put brinkers on racehorses is, is if they look left or right, they're gonna they're gonna fall, fall over. over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Correct. Yeah, yeah, that's saying.
1: right. And that's why I think it's important to really ask yourself, what is it that you want from your life? It's a very deep question, but I think if you can answer that then honestly, so much falls in place. Then you'll be focused, you know, you won't get distracted, you won't get influenced by other people because what they want to achieve in life is not you. You know what you want to achieve. Uh, and it just makes for a much happier way of living, I think.
0: And how often are you revisiting that question? Because that's not on.
1: So I, I think, uh, so the goals were sort of quite clear to me uh, in 1981 at the age of 21, frankly. Look after myself look after the extended family, do something useful for the world. Those are the three goals. So they haven't changed. So the first one, the first two frankly, um, I think have been in place for quite some time. It's the third one I'm really focused on, you know, what more can I do how, for the for, for what I perceive to be my contribution back into society, you know, how do I do it? Um, so. The actual end goal hasn't changed, but I think as I look into it and think more and more deeply about it, uh, the way to get there, I think, is changing. You know, because if you're talking, because so many people are doing so many philanthropic things, as you know, in the world today anyway, right? Um, Lots of people have a lot more money than I ever will have. So, you know, I'm not going to be able to tap into that. So they're doing things on that front. But I think there's a different type of energy we can create, which anybody can create. You don't need a lot of money for it. You just need to understand how to tune a mind and make it work in a different way. So for example, when I'm meditating and I'm in a peaceful state, I'm spreading peaceful vibrations in the world. And if I can increase the intensity of that, and if a lot of people start doing it, I think we'll start creating the type of world we want. So you know, my focus is more actually on Making a contribution from that point of view because that's what I can do, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not a millionaire. I'm not a billionaire. I never had the aspiration to be one, um, so that's not where my contribution is going to come from. It's going to come from a different perspective, um, and I, and I think that that's what I think that's what is going to be the need, the call of the time as we go forward. Trying to actually create a vibration, atmosphere, which actually. Gives people a feeling of belonging, a feeling of safety, security, because all of that's disappearing in the world out there, as far as I can see. So, you can bring people into that space where they feel enriched, they feel energized, they feel powerful, then they can go and do useful things in life. Right. If it makes sense.
0: Yeah. I'm just hearing people who might say, well, hang on, the, the, you know, right now, we're, you know, in terms of prosperity in the world, yeah, poverty yeah. is going down, yeah, violent yeah. crime at our global level is going down. So actually right we are right. achieving a lot of those outcomes. And not everybody's meditating, if I were to play. No, no. I, but I that's think from material progress, they would argue.
1: Yeah, I think there's no question scientifically, uh, technologically, you know, we really have advanced in a huge way. But has the quality of life become better? Are people more happier than they used to be? Is there contentment in their day-to-day life? in their interactions with people? Are the relationships in a good state? I don't think so, from what I look at and observe in the world outside. So technologically, no question about it. Uh, But I think the recent crime statistics, even in the UK, are quite worrying. I think they came out just a few days ago. Yeah. Um, So definitely, technologically speaking, making huge strides. But in terms of the overall level of contentment and happiness people have, I I don't think so. I think it's going down, frankly. I've seen a lot of people in poorer countries seem much more happier than people in richer countries. Right. And so, you know, there's a question, well, why is that? And I think people are realizing, trying to base your happiness purely on material uh, things, because material things by nature are, uh, are not permanent. You know, they're here today, they're gone tomorrow. So it's like you building your house on sand. You know, if that's your foundation, I don't think you can ever be completely happy.
0: Yeah. So, this importance of asking ourselves those fundamental questions. I think so, who
1: am I? Yeah. And what is it that I want to do with my life?
0: And it's interesting you started there rather than suggesting some meditative practice. You suggest going to Correct. those questions.
1: Correct. Yeah, because I think this is a question I think people need to answer. And you, you can find different ways of meditating, different techniques that may help you get to the answer. I mean, you know, Richard, you and I have worked for consulting companies. We used to work together on client projects. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I mean, what is it the first thing we try to do? We try to understand the client. We try to understand the challenges, the issues. We then look at uh, the market they're operating, and then we come back and make suggestions. Um, it's applying the same thing to, to myself. Um, who am I? You know What are the good things I have? What are the things which are not so good? What climate am I operating in the world outside? What are the things that are going to come and hit me? How do I make myself more resilient so I can cope with things in a better way? Um, so it's really looking inside to see what's happening, rather than outside. And I think if we can all learn to look inside and try and put things right, I think we can generally improve the state of society, because mm. I think there's a lot of clutter inside in all of us, I- even myself, after all these years, I see clutter, and I need to declutter, I need to get rid of it. So then only positive energy is there.
0: Right. So uh, Mrs. This focus on positive energy. I mean, whilst I do meditate and I do find it very yeah, powerful, yeah. I think that for me, the, the if there is a flaw, as I perceive it, in the, the sort of meditative worldview, if you like, is that this focus on positive emotions right, right, and right, positive right. thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, I've found the most powerful growth. Of growth for me has often been going deep into my most negative thoughts and and negative feelings and getting to the grief, you know, in terms of what I've experienced earlier in my working through it at at a therapeutic level, which in itself has enabled me to be more present to life and to be, and ultimately to have more positive thoughts and feelings. But so sometimes, and I've heard this criticism made of meditation is that it's like, whipped cream on a cow pack, you know, it's right, like trying, right, right. we're trying to take some spiritual bypass away yeah, from yeah, yeah. the no, really I think, messy stuff.
1: No, I agree with you. No, To be honest with you, um, to me, the proper way of meditating is to be able to look inside and actually unravel the good and the not so good, but then see how to deal with the not so good and to change yourself. I'm talking about self transformation. And, you know, the objective of meditation is to transform yourself. And transformation means, obviously, there are things in there which need to be changed. Otherwise, why bother? So I think, to be honest with you, the right uh, approach to meditation is that it, it, it's not like just looking at the positive things or it's not not like reinforcing stuff because some people come back and say, well, you know, be positive, keep on reinforcing stuff and then it will just work. Uh, does it work all the time? No. Why? Because if the underlying stuff hasn't been dealt with, it's never going to work. You know, it's like you're putting a mask um, over something to, to keep push pressure aside, but it, it's not going to fix it. <clears throat> so I agree with you, proper meditation is to look at it and really change yourself internally. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with you.
0: Yeah.
1: And that takes time and effort, right? I mean, it's hard work to change anybody. It's hard work even to change yourself. And so it needs persistence, it needs determination, it needs guidance, it needs patience, it needs love. It needs all those qualities to give yourself a proper chance. Otherwise, you know, sometimes people look inside and see all the negative stuff and shut the door saying, I'm never going to do that again, because all these horrible things are coming out. Mm. And they will come out once you actually open Pandora's box, because there's good and bad in there. And that's okay.
0: Mm. And is there anything in your inquiry that you've discovered, that perhaps your were will discover, that you've had to work through? Oh yeah, quite a few things. Anything you'd want to to share? No,
1: I think it's a whole series of things. You know, it's like sometimes um, getting agitated, you know, getting a little bit tense when you shouldn't, getting a little bit stressed when you shouldn't, and there's different trigger points, right? And so with with a lot of this stuff, when you look into it, uh, you see sometimes underlying all of that is actually subtle ego you know, your ego gets brushed a little bit, somebody said something, you feel insulted, Um, somebody praises you, you feel very good the next day, or somebody defames you, you feel very low. So, you know, these are all aspects where our self-respect isn't as strong as it needs to be, and so then we get influenced in different ways, and then we we react in different ways. Um, But a lot of this actually stems from, uh, sometimes, um, what I call attachment, to yourself, to your ideas, uh, to other people, and then when some of that gets taken away, you know, you sort of can't seem to function. Uh, there's also aspects of ego, like I said, you know, this sort of I, from a very egoistic point of view, is, is probably one of the most dangerous things we have. And we sometimes try and f- keep on feeding that ego, and ultimately, frankly, it doesn't bring us good benefits. So, learning humility is a very important element of all of, all of this, you know, the universe is huge. You can learn something from every single individual, you know, constantly have the attitude you're a student of life and you're learning. I think over time you start to understand the ego is less important. And and then the good thing starts coming out. Um, So, yeah, there's a whole series of uh, those negative tendencies. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the biggest challenge in meditation really is how do you uh, control your state of mind? I mean, now people are talking about this, having quite some time, saying, we probably use, I don't know, 5% of our brain. But sometimes I think it's because we haven't quite learned how to use probably 5% of our mind properly. Because I see the mind and brain as two different things, by the way. Um, You know, the brain is the physical part, the mind is the metaphysical part. And so that's the level where we need to learn how to control it. Uh, Then I think other things can improve. But that is the ultimate goal of meditation. You know, to be able to control your mind, which means your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, your reactions, and change yourself over time to be hopefully a much better human being than I am today.
0: Mm. And have you seen any transformations in your in your staff? Have you noticed? Maybe yeah, they come yeah. in; they're not meditators, and maybe they're here for a while. Is yeah,
1: yeah, like... no, no, no. I mean, to be honest with you, uh, I, was, I, I mean, this part of my core team, frankly, have been with me since day one. You know, a lot of people have been with me a long, long time. And I see the huge uh, benefits of meditation. You know, because it makes you introspective, I think. It's one of the things you learn about meditation, is you learn to be introspective. So like, you know, this routine I said, in the morning you meditate throughout the whole day, every hour you meditate. At the end, you have a quick check to see what happened throughout the whole day. Over the years, as you practice this, actually, literally, after something happens, you, you, you learn the art of checking it's almost like there's a background process that's running all the time and checking and assessing what's happening and then you put it right immediately because you'll sometimes you'll get external feedback right somebody didn't quite respond uh, well to me well it's because i didn't interact with them in a positive way so immediately you get a feeling you know it's like your senses are enhanced you really get a sense of without people saying anything you get a sense of what they feel about you right, right. because yeah. Things are happening at the level of vibrations, you know, you become more sensitive to catching vibrations, both good and, and, and positive and negative. And so then you can deal with it much more quickly. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a whole group of people downstairs <laughs> who, who've all been changing themselves as I have been changing myself over the years uh, in a better way.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, can, I can appreciate that. Yeah, because that's something I've noticed when I've meditated and got into it for a more prolonged period. Yeah, my senses start to become slightly more attuned. And exactly. I'm a little bit. And, and I suppose because I'm slightly calmer, yeah, I've yeah. got a little bit more space to. Correct. There's not so much going on with me, so I've got a little bit more mind space it, to check in exactly. with what's going on out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I have yeah.
1: noticed that. No, it, it makes a huge difference, really. Yeah. Um, and this idea of just clearing everything on a daily basis is immensely powerful, I find it's like time you know it's like okay something happened today that will never happen now you know it's like that event is finished but we continue to persist that experience in our own minds and remember something that happened 20 30 years ago and that brings our emotions down so you know you just got to say to yourself that's finished now i've learned from it full stop don't let it come out again it takes practice it doesn't happen just like that
0: like a flushing
1: correctly yeah Yeah.
0: And what do you what do you think then? What do you make of these famous meditators who then it turns out years later have been <laughs> sexual abusers, or they okay. run these cults, and they've ended up, you know, so uh, inciting suicide. And, you correct. know, so, so obviously then, uh, meditation doesn't always. No. Work.
1: So I think, uh, but you see, this is where I think um, you've got to find the type of people uh, who are genuine. And in the organization I mentioned, I have found people like that. Um, and you know there are people, there are good people who don't meditate, um, and there are bad people who meditate, and vice versa. You know it, it's just just what it is. But I think fundamentally, it, it really boils down to what is that meditation trying to accomplish? Because I think a lot of meditation was really utilized by people to really enhance their income and uh, you know gain name and fame and glory. Rather than really coming from a pure feeling that actually, if this is actually taught in the right way, it can really benefit every single person, every person in humanity can learn something from it. You know, it's like that sense of altruistic approach wasn't there. So even in the early days, I won't mention any names. When you, I used to hear about these people, you know, having so many Rolls Royces and flying in all sorts of jets and having their own private jets. Well,
0: OSHA's f- okay. come back into public consciousness so, recently from the you know, Netflix.
1: Exactly. So you know, uh, those to me are not uh, the genuine people that you want to be following. See, I learned a lesson early in life: be very careful who you follow, and be very careful who you listen to. So you need to first of all listen to yourself and follow your true ideals and that's where you have to find what they are because otherwise if you don't have your own ideals, you don't have your own views, you will definitely listen and follow to somebody else's and that's not being uh, integral to your true self, that's not being honest with yourself. So it really needs to come from, uh, from that inner space rather than somebody else's space and then it's genuine because you know that's you, it's not somebody else. Um, so yeah, there's lots of people with uh, f- false motives, frankly, and with the way they do stuff, but then you've got to try and discern who are the people worth listening to, who are the people worth following.
0: Mm. And so what, okay, I, I get that. But what if is if I go on a, a journey of, so, this might sound facile, but I'll say you know, a self inquiry and I ask yeah. myself who I am and, 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 and what do I do with my life and it it turns up well I need a harem and I need Ten Rolls voices <laughs> you know, I need to be famous well, and if
1: that's if that's your source of happiness right, because you've discovered that's what it is, right? Then you will follow it. And you know, it, there's no point in being judgmental because every human being is different. You can only actually talk about yourself and what you want to achieve. You can't go around uh, criticizing or saying somebody's made the wrong choice because actually, in that sense, there is no right or wrong. Each person will make their own decision in life, and you have to respect that. You may not agree, but certainly respect it.
0: Mm. But in terms of finding a follower, I suppose, for those people who followed people who were on that path, perhaps...
1: I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's like... I wouldn't even think of it as a follower I mean think of it as a teacher somebody who teaches you and really a good teacher is somebody who will empower you so that you can learn to stand on your own feet you're not going to be dependent on the teacher and you see that's a principle which a lot of the uh, some of the people you mentioned before what they did actually is to lock those people into themselves you Mm -hmm. know it's like I'm your guru but that is not somebody genuinely you know, somebody who is genuine will want to make sure that they look after your own interest and not tie you down into anybody. See, if there is anybody you want to follow, then, you know, try and find, call it the divine source, the supreme source, or call it God, or whatever it is, some universe being, frankly, who is truly altruistic. Human beings by nature, I'm afraid, uh, cannot be fully
0: altruistic. And if do you have a guru? Do you have anyone you...
1: I don't have a guru in that sense, um, but I do have people that I look up to uh, in terms of the way they live their life and what they achieve from it, Um, and I try and keep those people in front, purely from a basis of learning, but not from a basis of dependency. Uh, If I want to be dependent on anybody, frankly, in my entire life, then I would say it has to be a supreme or divine being. You can call it whatever it is. Beyond that, to be dependent on any human being is never going to allow you to fulfil your your true potential.
0: So you don't put a human being between that connection? Uh, So
1: there are good examples who have led their life in such a way that they are good shining examples to learn from. But it's not that I sit there all day and night just thinking about them.
0: And who, who are those examples?
1: <laughs> so, so the, I guess the founder of the University of Brahma Kumaris um, is somebody that I definitely look at as a role model in terms of what he did with his life, how he achieved it. How Who's he that? He, um, his, his, well, his, his name is Brahma, Brahma Baba, that's what he's called, he's called. But again, you know, he was a diamond merchant, um, you know, in the late 30s, 40s, when he o- created the organization, he decided to put women at the forefront. And that's something else I think society really needs to do. You know, I think we've got a very male-dominated society, um, so we don't have the feminine qualities coming out in the way it should. I think if there is proper balance in representation of women at high levels in society, I think the world gender will will become better because we need both feminine and masculine qualities. Um, I mean, I think this whole thing about gender is quite interesting because obviously increasingly now people are talking more and more about transgender and what it means and the whole thing about identity has become uh, uh, sophisticated or maybe complicated. Because now people are separating gender from sex and saying, actually, I may be born in a male body or a female body, but actually I feel my gender is the opposite. And then they try and compensate for it. And I think this is another level of trying to understand who you are. Right? It doesn't have to be tied into the physical costume you happen to be in, because you can have both masculine and feminine qualities. But it's quite interesting, the whole discussion about transgender, and you know, why people, all of a sudden, it's becoming such a prominent thing. We never used to have this 10, 15 years ago, right? No. Because no. I think people are really searching for true identities, who they really are. Same question, who am I?
0: Right. And, that, and that's one of the ways that that search manifests. I think so.
1: You know, that's what they feel. That they feel they're more sort of masculine, even though they may be in a, f- a female body, and vice versa. Th- that's how they try and adjust accordingly.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, and I suppose a lot of the, te- the yogic teachings talk about bringing, integrating the masculine they do, and the feminine, and the masculine
1: yeah. and, and the feminine qualities. And, and actually, deep down, all of us have those qualities. You know, it's a question of which ones do we bring out. You know. And I think we need both, frankly. You can't manage with just one set.
0: Right. I mean, interesting your reflections on a I suppose I remember Jordan Patienceon being asked this question about, you know, he's a I don't know if you've come across him, he's a philosopher right, from right. Canada who's become quite notorious and asked this question about female or society's societies governed by females. He's he's like, Well, we don't really know what that would look like.
1: Um, if society's going yeah, to be, females. yeah, we don't we don't right, really have right. a
0: view of, of right, how that right, would right. work. Um, so it's interesting that you're in an organisation where that's very much the case. I think
1: I think it's trying to balance it. I think there's an imbalance in society. It has been for quite some time. It's changing, has been changing for quite some time. So we're literally talking about balancing it, I don't think we're saying one should be more prominent than the other. I think historically we've had um, male dominance in society. Females have been kept down. I think we're just talking about raising the bar so that it reaches a, a certain level playing field. So it's definitely about balance. It's not about one dominating the other.
0: Hmm. That um, would um, work. And what's your... So, so the Brahmachana explicitly is, is it's run by... So there are rules, right? That is, it can only it's be basically,
1: Yeah, it, so when it was established, it was actually decided uh, that the, all the administrative positions uh, in terms of the whole organisation at the highest level will always be be run by, by, by women. That doesn't mean to say men don't have positions, they do, but at the highest level it needs to be guided. And I think that's frankly very important and necessary in today's society. I think it just brings a different level of uh, commitment, the way it's run, different type of feeling it generates. Uh, you know, it's, it's like being in a house and your mother actually is looking after everybody.
0: But you you run your company and you're male.
1: (laughs) I do, but that doesn't mean to say basically that I don't listen to people. I mean, Mm. everybody in our company, it's a very flat structure. Everybody's able to make contribution, come up with ideas, even the most junior member of the team. So everybody's empowered to make suggestions. And sometimes the youngest people, frankly, uh, come up with the best ideas, in which case you take them forward. So I think it's having that sort of different culture of listening, because we can get very stereotyped and come back and only listen to people with experience. So it's fine to listen to people of experience in those domains, but there are other areas, uh, frankly, where other people actually, who may be quite new, can bring in new ideas, which somebody actually can't, because they've been in that particular slot for so long. So I think it's just having that open mind and but trying to encourage ideas from everywhere, so that you pick up the best ideas you can take forward.
0: But these are quite different ideas. The idea that a leader should have an open mind versus a company or an organisation should be administered by females. I mean.
1: They're not uh, necessarily um, going against each other. I mm. think w- what it's trying to say basically is to try and actually restore some imbalance in society because how many organizations, I hardly know any organizations frankly which are led by women at the highest level and that's why I have a lot of respect for this organization. Mm. Um, and I think it's just a, uh, it was realized by the founder that actually that's quite important. Imagine this was in 1930s in India, yeah. it's unheard of. <laughs> You know it's just like revolutionary in that sense, and obviously since then we have we've had fem, uh, women prime ministers in so many different parts of the world, obviously UK and India we've had it in different parts of the world. It's a bit of a trendsetter.
0: right, so you're not advocating all organizations no, ought no, to no. be <laughs>
1: <laughs> no 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 i i think i think f- I think for spiritual organizations, considering all the uh, all the negative things we've seen. When men have been in charge at the highest levels, it probably bodes
0: well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't think of a single rogue cult run by females. There you go. So there could be something in that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's. A d- and.
1: Oh. You want to meditate for a minute?
0: Okay. It's amazing.
1: Do you feel? Do you feel it.
0: different? Yeah,
1: I think it really makes a big difference, just for one or two minutes. <clears throat> see, one of the most beautiful things of meditation I, I like is, um, you know, it, it's like you can see in the screen of your mind what your thoughts are, what thought is about to arise, what your feeling is, what your emotion is. You know, you you can literally see it.
0: And that's exactly what happened to me. So I'm going to share. So, D- so David, our cameraman, hello, David, <laughs> was tapping away on his laptop at some point during this interview. And I was like, ah, get off that. <laughs> and, and that's been rolling in my mind, part go. of this interview. Yeah. And it really came up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, I can let that go. Yeah. I can let that go. I, you know. And I'm sure if I talk to David now after this interview about it, I'm going to come from a different, different place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what it
1: is, honestly. It's how to just keep it decluttered so that it works effectively. It's a very powerful thing we have, the mind. But a lot of it's being wasted. It's not being used to its full optimal.
0: Because it's getting caught around. Yeah, it's it's just just
1: negative thinking, vicious thinking, thinking about the past, worried about the future. You know, I mean, there's just so many different things which are pulling it. Imagine you could just bring it and concentrate it and control it. You know, I think, and that's where I think the next evolution of humanity will come from. To be honest with you, I think the ability to generate positive feelings and energies through vibration. I think that's where we're heading, uh, and I think it'll be needed very much as we go through time.
0: Yeah, I'm just I I, I get that as well. I suppose I have an immediate reaction to the word vibration, and I, I'm sure some listeners will be like, ah, what it's all it just bunkum, yeah, new agey. Yeah. What's yeah. vibration? It's meaningless. But, but, I, but think I, about I, the it. way I translate it is into mm. some form of feeling. physiological process.: yeah, feeling that, you're,
1: you're feeling something different. Yeah. Like you're feeling peaceful. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you go into a church, right, the vibrations yeah. in the church will draw you into being peaceful and silence, right? If you go in some other place, it'll be filled with negative vibrations. You know So that's what it is. That's what I'm saying. I mean, actually, vibrations are everywhere all the time. We are sharing vibrations, we're picking things up, you're picking up signals. Um, so, you know, they exist. You know, it's like your gut feeling. People talk about the gut feeling. Some, somebody, oh, I'm not sure about it. This doesn't seem to like me is my gut feeling. You, you caught something, that you felt something. Maybe wrong, but <laughs> that's what it is.
0: Yeah, but the scientists will say, ah, oh, yes, but that's just a combination of physical cues and smell and something uh, else. Uh, you know, it's is, coming in through the sense data yeah, that you're I think, translating. Th- yeah,
1: I mean, to be honest with you, I never try and explain any of this on a scientific basis. Uh, right. Because I think you would then just go into a, a discussion. It's more like saying, you know what, it's my reality. It works for me. Um, and so I continue to do it. And for you, if it doesn't work for you, then you need to go and find another reality that works for you. Because everyone 's different, you know this is not trying to justify or push anything it 's a question of what works for me, what works for you, and it may be different, and that 's fine. see ultimately, if it 's benefiting you, you know you can do anything you like and if it 's benefiting society, why not find mm. your own way mm. it doesn 't have to be this way
0: yeah
1: um, so I think it 's fine, you know people are different. Mm.
0: And I love that invitational stance. That sort of unattached, invitational yeah. stance. Yeah,
1: yeah. Just you know, see what works. Find your, uh, find your mojo. I think is what people talk about these days, don't they? <laughs> find whatever works. These for you. kids, that's what
0: they
1: <laughs> talk about. <laughs> so ultimately, I think that's what it boils down to, really. You know, what makes you content? What makes you happy? Once you've understood what that is, then fine, go for it. But, be, but it is be clear what you're trying to achieve, I think. A lot of people sometimes, as I see, they you know, go towards their later life, they look back and they think, like, you know, we had this retreat organized a couple of years ago and um, was asking somebody about how they felt and have they achieved all the success they wanted. And the, the response that came back was, you know, I, I have climbed the uh, career ladder at the highest level, but only later on I realized it was against the wrong wall. That is one of the responses we got. So, you know, I mean, they'd achieved everything they wanted to, but it's like, actually, hmm, maybe it should have been on some other wall rather than the wall that I did
0: actually achieve.
1: And that's just an indication of sort of sometimes just going with the flow and not trying to find your own way forward in life. You know, what is it that you want?
0: Yeah, I mean, because I think you're a rare specimen of somebody at that age who was asking themselves such deep questions.
1: Yeah, I think uh, probably... Um, because at that stage, frankly, I, I made a lot of decisions, which I'm still living by. I, I don't have any regrets about my life and the way it's turned out, because actually I consciously decided to do that. And so it was a, my choice, you know. And that,
0: you said you, you were making those that around around the age of 20. 21, yeah. 20. And, yeah. Yeah, and I was just thinking, you know, how, what, 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 I was just waiting for Friday down you know, the pub. You know, uh, those <laughs> sort of questions just think, didn't, uh, you know, it was like, how can I make money? How can, you know, there was definitely a sort of script going, yeah, how do yeah, I yeah. please my part? Parents, and then there's something about yeah, 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 you know yeah. how do I get laid, and how do I yeah, yeah, you know yeah. how I, you know <laughs> when's the ne- you know when can I next go drinking? I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, think I think it's th- rare for people to have that uh, depth of uh, inquiry. I
1: think uh, well, this is this is where this sort of conversation goes into another tangent, but uh, let me just put something on the yeah. table. Um, I believe in multiple lives, and so this actually uh, has come from previous lives. It's not just a, a thing that's just come out in this one life. So I've carried some of those things over, um, and so that's why maybe I had some earlier realization than other people normally would have at that age.
0: It was my destiny, I guess. So for the people who are lost with vibrations <laughs> they're going to be freaking out with past lives. So Okay. <clears throat> so you believe all right?
1: It's a, different, uh, it's a different approach to life. It's, it's a different way of thinking about life. Like, you know, I happened to be, uh, I went to the barbers yesterday, right, a Turkish barber. He's really good. He always gives me a really nice haircut. Uh, and they use this, uh, they, they, they use flame a little bit over your ears to make sure that all the little hair gets burnt out. And it's amazing. It's fantastic. And we were talking about it and he was saying this to me. I didn't want to go into a long discussion with him. But, you know, he said, we only have one life. Let's leave it to the maximum. I didn't want to go into the conversation uh, because I believe in something different. Uh, why don't you maximise multiple lines? Why just not? Why just maximise one line? Um, so it's just a different thinking. It's just a different approach to living. You know, it's got a different understanding underpinning it. Not saying what's right or wrong, but it works for me. Hmm. Imagine in, in strategy we talk about, uh, you know, people used to talk about strategy for businesses 5, 10, 15 years, many years ago, right? And now they hardly think more than 2, 3 years. Uh, but imagine if you could think, sit back and plan the next 21 births of your lives, I mean, what would you do with it? God,
0: oh, I mean, just contemplating the question and <laughs> the answers. I'm just saying, it's up.
1: like, okay it gets more interesting if you think about it even no, if I can purely see that on intellectual level if you could actually do something now which actually guaranteed you a good life a good livelihood a good living for multiple generations would you take it on so you only so you only work hard really one life and then you're done for many lives you know, just enjoy it
0: uh, right I mean, I it just struggling with the premise, but I suppose if I could accept the premise, then maybe that logic would follow. Follow, but, yeah. But, but it's uh, getting
1: through that first hurdle, I guess. Y- yeah, yeah, which is which a is significant fine. hurdle. Meditation is still good even for one life. I'm not saying you need to think about meditation <laughs> for multiple lives. It's still useful for even one life. Yeah. It's, it's useful even for a day. It's, I mean, in fact, it may day.
0: even help, right? Because because sometimes I, you know, I do meditate sometimes, but it can be a yeah, it can, be, can be a struggle to maintain the discipline. And it can, it can. It's, uh, it's so like maybe it, it would help if I was thinking, okay, I'm not just meditating for today. I'm not even just meditating for my life. <laughs> no, meditating.
1: seriously, I, I think I think I think I think some sort of responsibility is uh, is, is quite helpful. Um, I mean, you know, I was telling you about how at that young age I was thinking about the world and there were so many things I didn't quite like about it, but I quickly came around to the conclusion, actually that I've played a big part in creating the world as it is if you for one moment accept the hypothesis that you've lived multiple lives, then actually in the past, I have done things to influence the world the way it is. Right. is I've played my own little part could be a very little part, but I'm certainly part of the process so when you understand that, you know, you stop blaming other people for it because, you know, you don't like the world outside, well it's probably because you helped create it, why don't you go and change it?
0: Mm.
1: Why don't you right. take on that responsibility to change it? But change then happens internally first, before it can happen outside.
0: Right. I can see how it would build a level of responsibility, it's, it's different in, responsibility in the mind. responsibility
1: in that sense, yeah. rather than just you know, trying to do some meditation because you've had a bad day
0: today. I suppose I would be far too attached to my scientific biases to even contemplate it. because yeah. and, and, I, and I find it's interesting when I meet somebody like you, you know, a trained engineer, and could be very yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: could,
0: yeah. You know, grasp of, of the scientific method and so on, and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and still finds a way to accept yeah, beliefs like yeah, this.
1: Yeah. No, I think uh, yeah, it may be unusual in that sense, um, but you know, ultimately, my reality is my experience, and that's what is my reality. And so if I can experience something different, purely, which is not based on science, then for me it exists. I wouldn't try and justify it and explain it to anybody in scientific terms, because I wouldn't be able to do it, frankly. But I know what's real, because I can feel it. I can experience it.
0: It's kind of a postmodern belief, you know, my my existence is the truth, my truth. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's like, you know, yeah, it's fine, I understand. Scientifically, maybe you may not accept it, but actually this is my reality. Because I can see what's going on in myself, like I never used to. I can see the type of thoughts I have, the type of feelings I have, the type of emotions I have. I can see how I react. So there is science underpinning it in that sense. Because there's a feedback loop. Because if it's working, I'll keep on doing it. If it doesn't work, I'll drop it. Right? Imagine trying to meditate since 1981 for 36, 37 years. If I didn't enjoy it, I would have dropped it ages ago. If, 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 if it wasn't giving me any value, I would have just moved on to something else. Mm. So there is something in there that it works for me. And that's why I keep on doing it.
0: No, I can see that. Um, and of course with meditation there is some scientific evidence that it does yeah, have yeah, yeah, beneficial yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. impacts on the brain. Um,
1: so it's, it's a different way of living, I think, is what I'm really trying to say to you, Richard. It's, it's like there has to be a purpose in your life. You know, find that purpose, find yourself, and then go full force in achieving it. That way you will never sort of regret I didn't do something that I wanted to or I could have. Because if you don't know what you want, how are you going to go after it? You know, you will just, we will just stumble and do what other people think we should be doing. And then we want to found ourselves in our true meaning of life. And so to me, the business fits within that context. It's not separate. Just like my meditation is integrated in my day-to-day life, so is my life integrated into my business, and so is the business part of my life, because all of it needs to work together to create what I need to create. Mm. And I think there's great beauty in that when it comes together. You yeah. know, it's 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 all joined up. It, it it's not, it's not like there is one thing fighting the other. It's they're all moving forward in the same direction.
0: Yeah. And I think that's also a trend for people. Know, for society Just, right yeah. now, is
1: this? Go, go with the flow, I
0: think. Desi- Well, go with the flow, but also a desire to fuse.
1: Bring it all together. Integrate. And
0: life and integrate. I think it. we're talking
1: about integration now, yeah. not balance. We yeah. used to talk about work life balance. I think it's more about integration. Integrate everything together so it actually reflects who you are holistically. Then I think you can get a, a sense of being happy and content in life. Otherwise, we're always chasing something, you know, which is moving away from us.
0: And how do we do that if we're, so it's okay for you, you're an entrepreneur, you were able to create a, a business in your own image. How, do, yeah. how does somebody listening to this do that if, if they don't feel like they have the resources to start their own business?
1: Obviously, it was a journey for me, right? I was quite a, uh, when I worked for the big companies for a long, long time, it's only afterwards I realized. So, you know, some of these things take time, you, you can't really push it. Some, sometimes the timing is important, sometimes the, the choice comes in front of you and you take it. Um, I think I would say to people, uh, whatever it is you decide to do, just be clear. I mean, establish who you are, what are your values, what do you want to achieve in life? I think that's important. That's the first foundation. I think if you managed to do that, then go full force with it. You know, then be fully determined, be aggressive in achieving it. But sometimes that initial stuff is not happening. And it may take time, you know, I mean, it has has taken me time in some things. You may come back and say, that's where I want to be, but I'm not there. But it is if you've got a vision, right, then the plan will naturally arise. Then you'll get to it. And then you need to underline that vision every day. You know, this is where I want to get to. This is the meaning of my life. You know, somehow then it works. It may take time. You need to be patient. Nothing happens quickly in life, I don't think. Patience is a great virtue. It really is. Mm.
0: <clears throat> stop it need to do it yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, we're probably gone you, over you, you your time you slot anyway. you I yeah. let me just change this over it one second. I've just waited for a natural Is element.
1: it covering what you wanted, Richard? I know it's going all over the place.
0: It's great. I'm, I'm, you're, t- you're surprising <laughs> me. I think it's... <laughs> I'm really enjoying this <laughs> thing too. <do>. <laughs> yeah, so you keep it's pulling so these rabbits out of the hat. Yeah. I'm like, okay, oh <laughs> what's next? <clears throat> yeah. And, and I'm impressed with your... your your courage, really, because you know this may be seen by people in, Odd. in in your in your in your corporate sphere with some level of influence, and yeah, 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 it yeah. takes a risk to come out and say I believe in past lives or whatever it might be. You know?
1: Yeah, no, I mean to be honest with you, I mean I, I think I think there's a whole aspect about being uh, externally and internally the same. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Why should I uh, be afraid or say something when I truly believe it? That's not me. Mm. I mean, you know, I'm trying to be somebody else. This again goes back to the core thing, right? Who am I? What are my values, and what do I want to do with my life? Yeah. And people don't have to agree because I'm not trying to convince anybody about anything here. No. So it's not like I've got a vested interest in 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 them believing me. But you know, if they ask me a question, I will definitely tell them. Mm. You know um, that um, yeah, definitely believe in it, mm. Just like, like I know that uh, you know it'll be dark this evening and the sun will come out tomorrow or the day will come tomorrow.
0: to me, you know and I think in my life I've, where I've had a tendency to jump from one thing to the next, yeah, yeah. I look back and I think, hey, if I'd just waited another six months for another year, Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. maybe things would have been different. Um,
1: I think we live in a society which just encourages instant gratification now. You know, it's like everybody wants things easily. Um, and, you know, I think it's it's fine if that's what your circumstances gives you. But sometimes then, you know, your expectations get very seriously misaligned because you can't replicate that in everything in life. And then you get disappointed. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes it's good to work on something, it may take time, uh, but I think the fruit is long lasting rather than something instant, you know, because somebody else maybe did it for you. You know, the, I think it's all tied in with, uh, you know, content and, contentment and happiness. If you think about life, what is the purpose of life, right? What does every human being want from life? They definitely want love, they want to have peace, they want to be happy. Right? I mean, these are like every human being wants this. And yet the way they go about achieving it is very different. Why? Because some think having good material possessions and material wealth and prestige and name and fame gives you that. Whereas other people feel that's not for me. You know, for me it's something different. And so this is what we're all trying uh, to achieve at the end of the day, right? We want love, we want peace, we want happiness. There's probably other things slightly below that. But this is it. This is the human condition. And so how do you go about achieving that for yourself is, is, I think, the question, which again goes back to who am I and what do I need to do with my life. It's quite simple in that
0: sense. Mm. Again, it, it resonates. We talked about yeah. Jordan Peter. I mentioned Jordan Peter. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. had a lot of success mm-hmm. recently with a book. Uh, 12 Rules for Life, and I've not read it, but one well, of the things yeah, I yeah, understand yeah. from his message is well, he has this big focus on self-authoring, right? right? this idea that right, we right, right. take charge of our own yeah, life, absolutely. and in his case, write down what yeah, it yeah. is, we, you know, who we are and what we yeah, love from Yeah,
1: life. it helps, that helps. Writing then, down does help, actually, because sometimes trying to intellectually think about something can get very complicated. So if you write it down, I, I really believe it does help for you yeah. to get clarity on it.
0: mm and his message is resonating, particularly with young men. I mean, yeah, it seems yeah, yeah. to be his his audience. Um, but it does seem to be some seems to be something that got lost somewhere in the in, in, in the sort of education yeah. of people in society, the, the importance of it.
1: I think so. I think uh, you know, a good question to ask yourself is, what is my definition of success? How will I look back over my life and say? It was successful. But you have to find your own definition, not somebody else's. Because the way the world defines success, typically, as I said, is a lot of it's based on things materially big house, you know, get married, have kids, good position in a job, good education, maybe have some recognition by the world about yourself. You know, so a lot of people actually define success like that. But I think there's a deeper level of success which each one needs to find you know what is my success so for example one parameter in life which i aspire to is if around 95% of all interactions i have with people they came out of it feeling positive about me then i would say that's being successful i probably can't get to 100% because that's hard but if i can actually get to that higher percentage because you know
0: and then, well, the critic in me is thinking, oh, <laughs> what a people pleaser! And then people say, oh, you don't want to go no, in life, no, just trying to make people happy.
1: It's not, it's not people pleasing in the, in the artificial sense, because what is life? On one level, it's all about relationships, right? We learn an awful lot when we come in connection with people, right? We always do, and so when those interactions are rich, you feel happy, don't you? You know, it's like I've really had a good conversation, you know, with this person. I feel connected, you know. And so part of life and success is based on relationships. And all I'm saying basically is that, you know, if, if we can have relationships in a different level than we do currently, I think that's a good uh, barometer of success. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, let's face it, right? I mean, you know, when I die, how will I be remembered? It's a good question to ask. I'm not saying I want to be remembered because I want to be u- utilized or I want to be u- idolized in different ways. But at least people ought to have some good memories about me. You know, it's like, oh gosh, it was terrible. Or You know, it's a reflection of your life. Mm. Isn't it? It's, uh, it's not wanting recognition on, on the level of external. It's almost like actually receiving blessings from people internally. Saying, you know, was that was a good person. I, can, I remember him for good reasons, not for bad reasons. so I'm talking about it on that level, not artificial like you know these days we have all this stuff people want to put on social media and draw attention to themselves and brag about what they've done and you know I mean that's pushing yourself out to the world rather than the world pulling, saying you know what?
0: So something. How do you distinguish that from people pleasing? So, how is it? So, how do we distinguish between wanting to have positive reactions and people have a good impression yeah. of us, but not trying to please them or so, trying to tell them what we think they want them to hear? Yeah, so I think, hear. Uh,
1: I, think, I think it's again important to be genuine because I think this is where I'm saying, you know, I think who we are internally, once we start to understand that you know, our true selves will come out externally. You know, we're not trying to create a different barrier. It's not like internally I'm one thing and externally I'm something else. That's not being genuine. So I think it goes back again to that. And I think if you identify your values and your ideals in life and so on, and you really believe, then, you know, I think they come out in every conversation, every interaction. Uh, Because otherwise it is artificial because today you'll see somebody in a very high senior position and you'll give them a lot of respect because of that. Tomorrow you'll see somebody, I don't know, a waiter in a restaurant and, you know, you know, you won't even sort of look at him or thank him because you you see them in a different status. So it's to do with our vision as to how we see other people. And, and, you know, I think part of the challenge we have in society is is that we have a very we have a, a vision that's very very much tied into the physical characteristics and how we understand them to be. And that's where I think you get complications in race relationships, you get complications in other relationships, because you're looking at the external face you can see, right? So sometimes you see somebody very beautiful or handsome, and, you know, you start wanting wanting to talk to them, or you see somebody who may not be so pretty, and people just ignore them. So, you know, it's almost like we've got to move beyond that and come back and recognize that actually there is a human being there. The human is just what you can see, the being is what you can't see. But it's the being that actually is interacting with you. And so learn to see the quality of the being. And that is a much deeper conversation you can have than with somebody. Because you've moved away from the physical, and you try to get at the person, the real person in there. And that's where I think we start to learn an awful lot, because you start to see things in a different light. You're not just looking at the physical aspect. You're actually looking at the person, the qualities of the person, you know who they are, the type of people they are, how they interact, how they behave. Um, and I think uh, we've got to change our vision towards each other. I think our vision, if I can call this vision, very body conscious vision, based on status, based on the body, the way it looks. Then you can think of the other vision to be soul-conscious vision. It's like you're looking at the being, the spirit. Okay, if you believe there is something beyond the physical body, <laughs> a lot of people don't. I happen to believe in that. So I think part of it is just changing, changing that. You know, I think it's like changing our attitudes towards people. Right. Then I think our relationships can become uh, at a different level, not based on artificial physical things, because that's what limits us. So we've got to change our vision. Yeah. And part of that is unraveling all the biases internally and getting rid of them because there's a lot of them in, inside.
0: Yeah, well, that's a lifetime of work, it isn't is. it? Yeah. It is, yeah.
1: There is work, I'm afraid, in this. It's, you know, it's working on a daily basis. That's the only way change can happen. There's no magic bullet. Well,
0: it's, well, it's both. It's, I, think it's, I think it is that working on biases but also... Working on our state, you know, managing our state of mind, because I, it's very difficult for me to have positive interactions with people when I'm correct. Internal when when internally insight.
1: we are internal,
0: exactly correct. And, and, and this is—I agree. This is, is going to seem a bit facile in this conversation, but I—it would—it's yeah, g- yeah. going to help me with my Uber score, right? Because <laughs> my Uber <laughs> score is like four point five, and I, I was horrified when I found out my Uber <laughs> score It's like. God, am I that much of an a-hole with these guys? <laughs> like, Because the average is like 4.8 or something. I don't know right, what it is. Right, but anyway, right. I am way below. I'm like okay. bottom quartile of <laughs> Uber users. Okay. And it may be partly because I'm late often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, but it may or just because I'm being yeah, a, yeah, yeah, an a-hole yeah. with people in the, yeah, in, in the, in the Ubers. Um, but it's interesting listening to this. And yeah, it would probably be a slightly yeah. narrow application of these spiritual teachings <laughs> yeah. to focus purely on my Uber scope. <laughs> but yeah, there's something in this because it's not just about uh, how I view that Uber driver and the extent yeah, yeah. to which I'm judging them on their, their, their physical appearance or, or their status or yeah, whatever, yeah. but it's also, you know, who am I when the Uber driver Correct. shows, the Uber yeah. shows yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah because yeah. our
1: state of mind is changing throughout the whole day, you know. I mean, if you look at it, Every second it could be changing, so how do you actually create the right state of mind for the right moment in time
0: and i wonder yeah i i think that's yeah. I think that's a really good question, but I also wonder how one of perhaps one of the upsides of this connected world this this social media world is that we do have this to a greater degree. This mirror. We do, yeah. Right. That when we when we put out negative comments or negative yeah. comments, there, there is this sort it of immediate blowback, blow yeah, yeah. in a way that perhaps we didn't yeah. always, we don't always get in the physical world because yeah, the, yeah. you know people are inhibited about giving us feedback or yeah, 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 yeah. You know, whereas actually the anonymity or the yeah. or the fast speed of being able to feedback on.
1: Yeah, but then people need to do be th- able to deal with it. A lot, yeah, a lot of people aren't, from what I'm. Hearing particularly the teenagers, mm. the depression that's kicking in, so you need to be yeah. able to, you need to be able to be resilient to deal with uh, you know negative comments and feedback. and I think if you know who you are, I think you can deal with it much better. If you don't know who you are, you will start to believe what people say. And it again it comes back to that basic question: who am I really I mean this this is a <laughs> question of the ages. that's what we're trying to get to here. Because if I can understand myself, I think I can be a lot more happier than I am now today.
0: Mm. And, and it really hits me as you say it, but it's also sort of tightly terrifying. Because I I believe I'm somebody who does a lot of work on myself, but just the yeah, yeah. the thought of God, you know, sitting down and and and, and staring think, at that question every night, it just feels like a like a heavy burden it somehow.
1: Frankly, because if if you look at it from the point of view that uh, it's introspection, which is going to make you a better person. Um, I see it from that point of view. As you pointed out earlier, you know, you will see negative things coming out. Well, that's okay, because we have negative things. So, of course, they will come out. It's fine. It's it's okay. So this is where you've got to learn how to love yourself. And this is the other thing I find a lot in, in, in modern society. We don't actually know how to love ourselves. You know, we're just trying to love everybody else. How many people spend time trying to... Just love yourself, you know, for what you are, and that means understanding the good things and the not so good things, and and then you can change them. It's a strange expression to use, but (laughs) that's what it is. It's like, you know, it's like teaching yourself some of the basics which we have forgotten. Because if you're not internally fulfilled, you will definitely seek fulfillment outside externally. Well, you'll because put your ladder
0: up the wrong wall to use the because, metaphor. Because you um, know,
1: because you need that. Yeah, you know, as human beings, we need that. So if you're not satisfying it one way, you will satisfy it some other way.
0: Yeah, oh, I can see that. Wow, it's been a very powerful conversation. Yeah, we could I go on I mean, for hours. I Richard. thought I was going to come here and talk about all your interesting office practices. <laughs> <laughs> it's I
1: mean, become, it's, become I mean much it's all deeper. it's it's all intertwined in that, frankly. Uh, yeah, you that's know, just the surface. Yeah, manifestation. it's just uh, there's a lot lot of other stuff underpinning it.
0: Yeah. Um, and where's not it so it's, so? And do you, what, what's your sense of your frontier right now? Is there anything that, that, you, know, that you feel like specifically you, you need to work on or you're focused on right now? Internally or for the business? Uh, internally. Yeah, internally I, I and or the yeah. business.
1: But. I think, uh, well, for the business one it's easier in a sense. Um, definitely uh, looking at growing it so that the team that's with me can all benefit from it. Um, and, you know, they can share in, in, in what we create.
0: Um, Maybe we should give a, a tiny plug given you give it all the time to this <laughs> meta data match. So for people who've got just data a, problems.
1: Yeah, just in the data space, gold, you know, we have clients solve sachin, problems yeah. in the data space. Yeah. yeah, But I think for myself, um, you know, I, I think, I know we talked a little bit about this, but um, it's almost reaching a level of control over the mind that I can put it in any state I want for whatever time period I want, and whenever I want. That is the, the biggest challenge, because if I can reach that level of control, um, just imagine how much effective I can be in dealing with so much. Yeah. So I happen to be in a very chaotic situation, but I'm able to calm my mind down and make it completely peaceful in literally just one second. or some terrible situation happens outside uh, I'm part of it I can't control it I can only control what's happening internally at that point in time be somebody who can hopefully uh, create an atmosphere of peace and positivity and support for other people so that they benefit from it because I think our mind is incredibly powerful you know every single thought has the potential to take somebody as high as they want to go bring them down as low as they want to go and depression is literally a state where our thoughts are taking us down and you know we can't get out of it whereas the positive is to take the thought to the next level which allows you to get out of it that's all it is it's all a game of a thought frankly a thought can bring you up a thought can take you down so if you can actually monitor what's happening and almost skip it at a level where at least it's easy to go up (laughs) rather than going down then I can I think we can be in a much better state and that's what I'm talking about you know it's like that is the frontier for me now having understood myself and there's still things to do there no question about it it's then actually how to utilize this so that it brings benefit to the world and society because otherwise just understanding something without benefit, well, what's the point of that as well, by the way? Yeah.
0: So it's not, it's not just developing a sort of circus trick almost for the sake of it. It's like, harapy- you
1: know, it has to have some positive outcomes. Yeah. And I believe it can, which is why I'm pursuing it.
0: Yeah.
1: So that is where I need to get to. Awesome. Full control over the thought, stay in the thought for whatever time period I want, whenever I want, and for whatever time period I decide. So I should be able to switch on and off, literally like that, space of a second. Then I think we can be really useful and support the world um, going forward.
0: Laudable, laudable (laughs) goal.
1: It's a different level of support, right? Yeah, because uh, you know. There are times, frankly, when, again, this is going down to the whole theory of vibrations, you know, you know, there are times when physical aid won't be able to reach people, yet people are there, you know. Is it possible for us to develop a level of communication where our thought reaches somebody else and brings them benefit? Is that feasible? Just like now...
0: Well, it might be feasible in te- with technology, whether or not we can do it without... Without technology. technology, I'm talking about without There's
1: technology. That's another question. You yeah. know. Why not? You know, our communication now, we are also interconnected. Why can't communication happen at a different level? Is it not possible for me to be sitting here and sending positive thoughts to somebody in another part of the world where they are in complete distress?
0: Well, that's the old idea of prayer, isn't it? I mean, it's Exactly.
1: So, make it happen. Call it prayer, call it meditation, I don't think it matters to me. But that's what I'm talking about. I mean, frankly, the example of the kids trapped in in the caves in Thailand is, is quite interesting. If you think about it, I think the combined focus of so much of humanity on them and wanting them to come out of it well, I think played a big part in it. So, you know, I think it's infusing that thought energy to a common goal and objective. And I think we can make big things happen that we haven't seen so far.
0: Yeah, but I think people listening to that might think, well, yeah, we, we achieved that, but that was because we put material resources into finding the team and the equipment to have it happen, not, Correct. not because we somehow changed people's mind states remotely.
1: No, but, but remember, I mean, they, they survived for quite some time before the actual physical equipment got there. Yeah. And I think everybody had a lot of good, positive feelings for them. That's what I believe anyway. I think there is energy working at a different level, which we can tap into which I think will bring benefit to people in different ways than what we have seen today. Um, so why not combine all of the different energies? Because ultimately, if you want to make the world a better place, I think science definitely has a place. But I think, call it spirituality, call it thought energy, call it the power of the mind, I think also has an equal, equal, equal important part to play. Um, so I see science in that context, I see spirituality in that context coming together. To really make a difference to, to the way the world is today and tomorrow.
0: Okay. Maybe that's the place to, uh, to end this. That's yeah. Very
1: thank you very much, Richard. No, it's, been really very so much. it's been a very interesting conversation. Very interesting. We can go on talking for hours, but I think lunch beckons us. Yes, We have that's a nice right. lunch for you guys.
0: Yeah, uh, so that's we another thing go, you do here, right? Lunches for everyone. Yes,
1: every one day, of the yeah. charities we look after, frankly, feeds us every day. A really good homemade food, cooked with a lot of love. Uh, which also has a big impact, frankly, on the mind. But that's another conversation for another day.
0: (laughs) Okay, thank you so much. Okay, Richard. Fantastic. Thank you. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human-focused coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com.